0: I think that there's all these points of connection that are floating around and every once in a while. We can catch a glimpse. Yeah. And if we catch a glimpse of the points of connection, it gives us hope that there's going to be more of them as we continue to be our authentic selves. And we can be amazed at how everything does work together because we never know. When we start getting into that authentic conversation of forgiveness, even though it wasn't intentional on my yeah. part, I didn't, I didn't, like, did I do something wrong? No, but necessarily something wrong happened out of it because right. of human nature. That it was incredibly important to not get bogged down, but to act, to ask for forgiveness, and then work together towards justice.
1: one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world. What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See one Beautiful Soul.
2: As this year draws to a close, I'm so excited to bring you an episode with my friend and colleague and a mentor of mine, Rev David Taylor from St. Andrew's School in Boca Raton, Florida. I had the pleasure of sitting with him and just sharing from our hearts, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. As I'm reflecting back on this year, so many monumental, colossal things happened. I was able to finish another year of learning Torah with my dad once a week. His levels went up in terms of his health. As some of you know, he has Parkinson's and early AML. Uh, leukemia. And we have now completed two and a half years of learning Torah together once, sometimes twice a week. And it has completely changed and healed our relationship. In fact, there were many times where I would practice sort of like an energy healing with him. We would join forces with my friends from the Dr. Joe Dispenza community and do coherence healings. And there were times where I would put my hands near him and help him do a coherence healing from head to toe and heal his body. And uh, at the end of Hanukkah, I actually hurt my foot and he did some healing on me. And it just really came full circle and my foot increased in healing immediately. And I could feel that connection. And I know it's it's really because of all the time we've spent together spiritually and doing spiritual healing, emotional healing, and physical healing this year. So thank you, dad. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for our growth I also had some time to learn with my mom in the last couple of weeks of this year. And we really grew a lot just in the last couple of weeks. And mom, I love you so much. And I'm so glad that we have really dug deeper this year in our healing. So I went home to Florida to heal and mission accomplished. I healed a lot physically, emotionally, spiritually. I also did some healing in terms of my career. I had a couple of really difficult conversations with people that I worked with, and I had to really take a hard look at how I communicate and which communities I serve best. I wrote a book this year, a memoir that I am now in the final stages of editing, and I look forward to sharing it with the world. It is a self-help book, but also based in memoir, and you'll find some fun writing exercises at the end of each chapter, as well as some guided meditations that you'll read and then jump right into if you wish. And the biggest, most painful lesson I learned is that even when I feel that I am correct and there's really nothing to apologize for, if you find yourself getting into the same conversation with different people, chances are there is something to look at. There is something to be grateful for, a lesson of some sort, a deeper understanding of how you're coming across, and even if your intentions are good, and even if... Many people that you might share the situation with say, oh, I could see where you were coming from. The context matters and you didn't mean what you said or, you know, you, they got it wrong. That, that isn't how you came across. You're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. There's always something to learn. And even if you are 5% in the wrong or could have hurt or harmed unintentionally or inadvertently one person, it is worth taking responsibility and saying, I own this this was not okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix it. That's true Teshuvah. That's true going back, taking a look at what you did or said, the words you might have used, the phrasing, the context. It really doesn't matter if it hurt someone in any way, shape or form. Go back, sit with them, have a holy conversation about it and really get to know where they were coming from and hopefully they'll see where you were coming from. But even if they don't, you're here for the learning. You're not here to be right all the time. You're not here to be perfect or prove yourself and, and blame and say, I was right the whole time. That's not why we're here. There's no learning in that. There's no growth in that. And there's only character development when we take responsibility. I was having this difficult conversation that just kept coming up over and over again this past year. And the way that I put it to bed was instead of trying to get people to see where I was coming from. I just took a really deep breath, I put my hand on my heart, and I asked God, what can I really learn from this? What is it that I'm not seeing? Why is this so painful? Why does this keep coming up for me? And when I really focused on the words for me, I was able to feel surrounded and engulfed by God's love and really take a moment to just love myself that much more that I could say, okay, I got this. I can handle not being correct. I can handle not being a hundred percent right. And I can handle that this came up because it's for my greater good. It's for me. And even if I feel shamed or embarrassed or even humiliated, it's all happening for me. And it's not really about them or the people that are laughing or saying, you know, you were wrong and we're right. It, that's never how it is. There's always two sides of a street. And when you can come forth and say, yeah, you're right. I, I hurt this person or i I wasn't careful with my words or I wasn't careful with my actions or I wasn't careful in my intention and how it came across. That's when you win. That's when you can be free because your side of the road is clear. And really, Every moment of every day has some of that in it, right? I don't know any two people come into a conversation and everything works smoothly all the time. If you know anyone like that, please let me know. I'd love to hang out with them and really learn how to communicate even more effectively. But for the most part, my entire life, I've noticed that there's always some sort of misunderstanding that happens all the time. And we are constantly being called to see people, to see ourselves, and judge from a point of view that gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. And when we stop doing that and we put up our walls and say, "Okay, you're done. I no longer want to speak with you. I n- no longer want to communicate with this person because they X Y or Z." Yes, of course there are moments of abuse or disgusting behavior that goes so far that there there is no room for I'm going to s- keep spending a lot more time with you. But I've found in my life that 90% of the time, maybe I would even say 95, 98% of the time, there's always a way to heal. There's always a way to go back to the table and say, now, what was it that went so awry? What was wrong here? How was I a little bit in the wrong? How were you in a little bit in the wrong? And let's fix it. So if you can relate to that, send me a note. Let me know if there's something in your life that happened that might've hurt. Let's make a deal. Let's go into this next new Gregorian year, 2023, or 5783 continuing in the Hebrew calendar, in a place where every time something comes up that hurts or we feel like we're having to prove ourselves, we just take a moment, take a deep breath, put your hand on your heart, say, we got this. What's in this for me? What's coming up here that's in it for me? And see if instead of reacting and trying to blame and then posting on your Instagram or your Facebook something about it that proves how right you are, What if you were to look at it and say, I wonder why this is coming up for me spiritually? What is the spiritual lesson of this? Even if I'm only 5% in the wrong, what can I gain from this for the future? How can I be more character refined in this one area? What I love about Reverend Taylor, who you're about to hear from, is that he brings up two situations in his life where this came up, and he does it so beautifully, so masterfully. You can tell he's had so much time or he's taken so much time to do true character refinement because he's so humble. He has no qualms at all about saying, oh, where was I wrong here? Oh, wow. I'm going to fix that. So without further ado, I give you the one, the only Rev. David Taylor. Reverend David Taylor. Hello. Hello. Um, This is so much fun. We are in the St. Andrew's Chapel. The Chapel. The Chapel yes. in Beauverton, Florida. And... I was lucky enough to sing on this stage with my sister a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I haven't changed, right?
0: You haven't changed at all. 20
2: years. No. It's crazy. Blink of an eye. Blink seriously. of an eye. Um, and you haven't changed at all, except the color of your hair is a little different. Uh,
0: yes, I, I I did used to prematurely dye my hair. but Did you? No, I didn't. No, no I, I don't you funny to it is I add in the hair. natural highlights. <laughs> yeah. It's turning gray or turning loose, Barbara. Uh. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, it is such a joy to be in your presence because you are sort of like, you know, when you crack a can of Sprite and it's like bubbly and fizzy or seven up, but Sprite works better cause you're sprightly.
1: Like.
2: Um, uh, you're just like a little bit of vitamin C and the lime, like lemon and lime and sweet and very bubbly. And when I think of you, I always think that's how every clergy person should be when mm-hmm. they're around kids especially teenagers, because you have this way where when people meet you, they're like, oh, I see godliness. I see hope. I see joy. Thank you. And you only have to spend five minutes with you. And that's what people feel. So on that note, tell me what brought you to working with kids in the clergy? Like what made you want to work with kids and teach them about godliness and
0: spirituality? It's, it's a, like with anything in, in clergy and call, it's, it's a long process. But, uh, I, I grew up in a very religious family, very conservative, evangelical, Southern Baptist, amen. Wow, um, I was actually born at 945 on a Sunday morning, which is the time for Sunday school. I, <laughs> yes. I was brought up in the church, but I never really felt a sense of belonging within the church, which was really kind of strange mm. because it's kind of like being in the environment but not being uh, a part. I mean, it's in South Florida. Vero Beach. Okay. When I, when I did my undergraduate in Mississippi, uh, I went to the University of Mississippi on a speech and theater scholarship. And I was out there yeah. sitting in a church. And this was kind of like my St. Francis in the cathedral moment for like, Francis like you know saw the eyes of Christ open up mine was not that dramatic but I was uh, like couldn't handle that but I was I was in there's this thing sort of like I've I've never been in a sermon that I haven't learned something this is the closest I've ever been to not learning a dang thing because it was undoubtedly the most boring sermon ever the funny thing about it was is that I remember going in late and someone like motion me to come up front for a Baptist, like sitting up front. is like the absolute worst sin. You know, I was like, I'm going to get in the back row, you know, just so, uh-huh. like, duck out easy. Uh-huh. And I got up into the front row and I couldn't leave. And I started thinking uh, like stream of consciousness. Um, you know, the, the person was talking about uh, Noah and the Ark. And I was like, you know what would fit in right here? You know, Bad Moon Rising by Freedom Square Water Revival. Oh, wait, uh song from Guys and Dolls, Sit Down on your Rock in the Boat. And so, so I'm sitting there bored out of my mind at the sermon about yep. Noah's Ark. And, and then all of a sudden there was this like, you know, the lights went on. Uh, and for the first time I really felt a sense of belonging and purpose. Mm-hmm. And then I was just so like it doesn't have to be bored. Yeah. You don't have to make, you know, people, you know, weep coming into any kind of temple church is sort of like, you know, you know, just like crack the whip. Yeah. That it, <laughs> uh, it can be a place of joy. It can be a place of merriment. And, and again, um, I, I think that that was probably a defining moment on my path. And, and the other thing out of that, not too much later, as I started investigating a vocation within Christianity, Hmm. I kind of realized that I didn't fit in. I was on the Island of Misfit Toys of Rudolph, so to speak. Uh, I've actually had one of my mentors tell me, he was like, you know, Dave, are you thinking about working in a church? And I was like, oh, no, not really. He's like, well, good, because you'd be fired immediately. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Feel the love. <laughs> that sounded that. like
2: the church lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which Deanna Cargill actually based on his Sunday school teacher. Of course he did. I, of course, because okay. that's my people. But um, <laughs> but um, but then I realized that there is a place for people like me to point people wherever they are mm. towards something. Yeah. And that's where I consider, you know, my, my calling. It's not saying, that. you know, here there I am. And no, right. it's like, you know, this is where you can be.
2: Right. And it's and, not about uh, you. It's you're like a bridge yeah. to something else.
0: Yeah, And, and, and just pointing folks. And, and I think the important thing about chaplaincy is chaplains. These are normally religious figures in non-religious institutions. And I've had a lot of bizarre experiences uh, with that, but because of that, you know, um, musical theater background, doing the stuff at the University of Mississippi. Oh, right. on Broadway, there's a stage manager who's a friend of mine. And oh yeah, the sound guy from this show. And so like, if they get in a jam, who do they call? No Usually way. it's, you know, hey, got a minute. And and uh, that might happen once every five years or maybe, you know, once every 20 years or something. Wow. But it's just the idea of accepting people where they are and being open to having conversations and not really trying to be invested in any one particular place but much more uh be invested in that concept.
2: Yeah. You know? So going back for a second, because we have a lot of people listening to this show who are like kind of over God or, mm-hmm. or religion mm-hmm. and they just want spirituality. Right. Sure. And I started this podcast because I was sick of hearing political conversation and I thought, let's get back to spirit because mm-hmm. it's so much cooler and so much more intimate and more interesting to hear where people are sitting with their God talk or, you know, what do I believe in? What's most important to me versus who, I want to vote for and who will save this country or this right. world or it's so it's so much ego right mm-hmm. so I, and we're so much more similar when we actually break down what our values are than who we voted for right. like so much more I mean I, I can't find two people that are alike when they vote but I could definitely find them when they believe right mm-hmm. so on that note what made you at a young age feeling like a misfit stay in the boat of religious study and clergy when you so easily could have just said this is not for me I'm in Florida I'll find a million other outlets I can
0: I can yeah Yeah. do other things I think that the the best way that I can describe it in my own life is that you know every once in a while you get an itch and Mm. it just has to be scratched
2: Mm. and
0: um the uh, a great story uh in in looking at, at one of the darkest times in my life and in the Christian idea of Advent um it, it happened around uh, this time and, and it happened uh roughly uh 20 something years ago but uh, I was going through a divorce and it was like, this is horrific, this is bad And one of my friends, because of the interconnectedness of uh, the world hmm. um was working um up in New York as an investment banker. And they and they called me up for what was going on. And um, we knew each other from seminary in Baptist world. And she said, um, you know, you've been selling Jesus for a long time. Why don't you come to Manhattan and you can sell something else? And I went up. <laughs> <That> sounds <laughs> it's, funny. Yeah, I was like, well, it, it was just commodity, you know, oh, okay. like, religious commodity. It's so yes. like, hey, you need some fire insurance. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I went up there and I interviewed uh, with J.P. Morgan.
2: Oh wow! And I took I my son,
0: that. and we're there, and it was really great. End of two thousand, and like my son was able to ice skate, rock know, It was like Christmas story all over the place. And then you know something about it just didn't feel right. I couldn't make that that disconnection. And things worked out here. Um, signed my contract, came back. The the thing that really made mm-hmm. an impact as it was making an impact on the world is that uh, my office would have been on the eighty fifth floor of the East Tower, and so September eleventh happened nine months after I had my interview. And so as a result, the, the the perspective, am I fulfilling the mandates of what I think the gifts that I have in the place? And when there was such a stark contrast of the terror that was affecting our, our country and our world at that point, it's like, well, maybe the best thing I can do is that I had the opportunity to be with two little girls who lost their dad that day. And so rather than being in one place, I was in another. Um, I've taken that very seriously. And and even before, probably the thing that made it real for me, um, I was privileged to work as as an intern in Desmond Tutu's office when I was a student at the University of Cape Town. And that was a whole God incident that, that happened. But I saw how one person could literally make a huge amount of difference. And the archbishop who recently passed a year ago, was just an incredibly cool guy, just very funny, and I was like, okay, I bet you he didn't really fit in yeah. either, yeah, yeah, and in fact, lots of issues <laughs> with apartheid. So that yeah. little stuff, uh, yeah. and so that made a huge impact on me. And so I, I try to get myself out of the way, and my ego out of the way, and just if you concentrate on trying to make that connection with people on a spiritual level, yeah, then you realize that you're you're helping someone get home, and if you're doing that and you find joy in it then maybe that's what you need to be doing.
2: Already crying. Um, I also have a 9-11 story. I think I spoke about it when I was here 20 years ago, but um, I went to Jerusalem on a scholarship and my parents begged me, please don't go. And I left Mm -hmm. my temp job at the World Trade Center. I was acting in New York, but- that was my temp job working there and at Columbia. And I very well could have been in the world trade center. And I said to my parents, I need to go and learn about our people. Mm -hmm. You did not really give me a Jewish education. I'm going to go learn now. And this is the best thing I could do at 24 is just take a break from being an artist and feeling like, I don't know what my purpose is in this moment. And I'm going to go. And, and by the way, it says in the 10 commandments, honor your mother and father But keep Shabbat. And I had just learned from a rabbi that that means, yes, honor what they have to say. They were forbidding me to go, but God's word comes first Mm -hmm. and God is their parent. And I was like, oh, what a concept. My parents have a parent. Yeah. And so I said, I've got to go. I'm being called. And this is like an amazing scholarship. I don't know if I'll ever have a chance to go. I'm in my mid 20s. This is Mm -hmm. the time. And I got on a plane with my sister and her boyfriend at the time on June 4th, 2001. And on September 11th, I decided to buy a cell phone for the first time in Jerusalem watching in real time IRL. You know, the planes yeah. hit the center and I was like, that's New York. And it didn't hit me until three in the morning that I could have been in there. It mm-hmm. was more like I was going through what everyone else was doing is the Messiah coming right. either again or for us the first time, sure. you know, and that semantics. Like, is this the end of the world? And am I, am I going to see my family again? Cause I'm all the way in Jerusalem. And at three in the morning, I woke up in a cold sweat. I was like, my life was saved. Yeah. Now like my Rav Binny, my rabbi in, in Israel would say, what are you going to do with it? What
0: are you going to do with it? I like that. Yeah, yeah, you would love
2: him. So back to you. I totally didn't know that story. Maybe that's one of the other reasons we connect because certain people have that survivor's remorse. So today we're entering 2023. Hebrew, we would say 5783 has just begun. Where are we as a humankind? Like, I'm sure this comes up all the time with Mm -hmm. with high school students, especially because they are the most spiritual, right?
0: I it can be. I think that the that high school is is very interesting because our upper school students have the negativity. I think of being through expectations, mm. either by culture, family, or academic institution. Well, we're college prep, so let's be looking at at that college step. Right. And and I think that that's intrinsically important to who we are as an institution. However, I think it's important to realize that one of the things I think we do very well here is that we're not pushing everyone to try to be an Ivy League student, but we're trying to make it so that everybody has that special fit. One of the challenges of being a chaplain is in Boca Raton, where there is a bit of pressure to be able to share a message of, no, you you fit right where you are. You are a gifted, talented child of God. And if you don't believe in God, you're just a gifted and beautiful child. And, and so, <laughs> you, but, you know, you're you're where you need to be and, and trying to not always say, well, if you were over here or if you had this or if you
2: were just a little more like him or
0: her. Right. Yeah. Do you see, you know, a, a difference between, you know, the, the junior kindergarten kids who are just so mm-hmm. happy to sing This Little Light of Mine, uh, an age of original innocence? Yeah, it goes along with that. And then somewhere, you know, the world and education and expectation comes in. And yeah. those can be remarkable tools and gifts, but they can right. also impede us from being who I think we're created to be.
2: Yeah. And if you are a misfit, which so many people really are, they just mm-hmm. pretend that they're not, yeah. then where do we go? And how do we become accepted? It makes me think of um, Dear Evan Hansen, if you've ever heard that yeah. soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you will be found, right? We yeah. eat, it's so prophetic, like, uh, Pasek and Paul, they're so amazing. But it it's really hard to feel like you don't fit in. And every single person feels that way. Sometimes there's not one person, True. right? So I can only imagine the pressure. And I wonder if your spiritual ideal able to share with them that it, you actually college doesn't really matter that much. I hate to say that here when this is like a college prep school, but how do you grapple with that? Knowing that, you know, maybe you didn't go to an Ivy league school and your life is so
0: meaningful. <laughs> If we, as spiritual people, believe, and if we just break it down, and one of the beautiful things about this time of year, through um, the the first night of Hanukkah being December eighteenth, and then this being the beginning of the Advent season uh, and uh, the Kneira for Kwanzaa, and, you know, oh wait, it's dark and we yearn for the light, and if we can just can concentrate on the simplest of factors. Of, of breaking it down, not through dogma or ritual, but just the, the thing that I would say is, you know, God's in the dark too, all right? You know, it takes a little longer to find. We we get captivated and we move through and towards the light every day. And, and I think the thing that I would tell everybody is just, you know, just keep moving, just keep being engaged. And, uh, you know, for for those of you who, you know, are listening, you know, I'm sorry the church screwed you over, Getting on, you know, or, you right. know, whatever right. in group, but the, the idea is I believe that the, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, um, the inner light, uh, the higher power is so much grander than that, mm. that, you know, when we, if we can take away and take back a step, you know, we can realize that maybe it's not about us and and that is okay. Yeah. And that you're fantastic, just the way you are. It's not saying you don't need work. Because yeah. we all do. Right. Um, but that work is to make us better. Yeah. You know, that's make me better.
2: So speaking of work and being in the darkness, you knew this question was coming. What is a story of yours where you could say that was the hardest piece of forgiveness that I had to create? Or, you know, one of the many moments in your life where you had to forgive
0: many, many layered, uh, many layered parts of the story, but I'll give you the thumbnail. I was uh, I was in Africa, in Cape Town, during uh, 1989, height of apartheid. Mm. Um, Mandela had not been released. I was going over because I went, great white liberal, yay! And then I got tear gasped, and I was like, wow, this isn't really all that it's cracked up to be. Uh, but but I was there for a year and a half, fantastic time. As I mentioned before, I, I had the privilege of working in Desmond Tutu's office. And so that was uh, an amazing blessing. But I was also uh, continuing to grow as a counselor during that time. And so thumbnail version, I have uh, a female client as a counselor coming in. And part of that, that process is I have a supervisor. And so, again, and this is pre the sensibilities of the day, but I, I realized being a mid-20s single guy that having an 18-year-old female in the office could be you know, problematic, so therefore taking safeguards. And mm-hmm. so uh, one of the things from the very, very beginning, um, while taking verbatims of conversations and talking about issues and putting it in the file, is I worded my supervisor that I was involved in this counseling relationship. And it was a a short-term thing, wasn't very long. Um, And I thought that it was done. Now, the forgiveness part happens six months later when that client calls me up and then asks me why my supervisor made inappropriate advances at her at a social gathering. And so what had happened was pre-me too, I realized that my supervisor, who was male, took the information from the file that I had written and tried to use that against this young woman to try to seduce her.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: And she is totally clueless about it. He has since left the area. And I realized the only person who has the truth is me. Mm-hmm. And with that, it's kind of like the psalmist, um, you know, I, I wake up at night and my, my bed is drenched with my tears. You know, it's incredibly yes. problematic. Yeah. And I realized that I owed her an apology because I had to ask for her forgiveness because I didn't specifically say anything to her or I didn't know about the situation, but I asked asked her for her forgiveness because there was this trauma that had happened in her life and I inadvertently was a part of it and I didn't know why. But the thing that made it very meaningful for me was that when I asked her for forgiveness, and I realized well, what had happened. And it would have been very, very easy to keep what. And I asked for her forgiveness of like my part in the transfer of the information, even though the wrong that was done was not my wrong. She looked at me and she said, I guarantee you I'm not the only one. Mm. And so out of that, by me asking her forgiveness and letting her know about the situation, this person was removed from the counseling process. Oh, that's good. That uh, we did find <laughs> five other victims um, without even scratching the surface, uh, really, that the things were done. Uh, and, and with that, the idea is, is for me personally, mm. the idea of when uh, Yom Kapoor comes around and the the idea of asking for forgiveness and making amends, is that there's the 2 pong processes because we never know when we start getting into that authentic conversation of forgiveness, even though it wasn't intentional on my part. I didn't, I didn't like, did I do something wrong? No, but necessarily something wrong happened out of it because of human nature. That it was incredibly important to not get bogged down, but to act to ask for forgiveness and then work together towards justice. Right. The, the idea of looking at the process of forgiveness, not for boy, do I feel better? You know? Right. <laughs> no, but we feel better together so right. that we can move forward together. You know?
2: And I meant when I asked the question, I'm so glad you shared that and I'm sorry that that happened, but did you ever have to forgive someone?
0: Oh yeah. That, I'm sorry. That... No, no, no don't no, be sorry. I, but... took, I took forgiveness and ran a whole different way. No,
2: because you're very self uh transformative person. Mm -hmm. So of course you looked at it like, well, what did I have to do to ask for Mm -hmm. forgiveness? I meant what happened to you that made you feel in the dark and made you potentially, I don't know if you've ever done this. You don't seem like you carry any weight of like, I'm still mad at that person, but was there ever a grudge that you held for a long time that you had to forgive or even not a long time, but something big that you had to forgive?
0: Yes. And and I would say, as I had mentioned already, you know, if I've, I've been divorced and anyone who goes through that, the, the risk of authentic personal relationship and being vulnerable, which I believe we're all called to be sure. uh, spirit to spirit that uh, sometimes it doesn't work. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. And, and that's not because both parties aren't trying. Right. Yeah, it's well, it's a commandment
2: like, to get divorced. It's one of the six thirteen of yeah. the Jewish commandments, right? Uh, if you're miserable yeah. like, and, and no two people could ever know ahead of time, Oh, this is going to be terrible. Like, you might have a hunch, it might be, but you really like the person or you want to try.
0: But mm-hmm. No, but going back to the idea of how I believe that God works in my life, and it's a combination of through board sermons and movie clips or, you know, however it works out. <laughs> I, was, I was angry. And of course, I'm angry and I'm walking to a, a chapel. And I'm getting ready to do it where I have to be, you know, happy spiritual guy, and you know, uh, looking at that. And uh, as we often do in South Florida, you know, there was a little... Microburst on the horizon, and then a lightning strike just hit out of nowhere. And it was like, boom. And and, and it woke me up enough to realize that I had just watched on cable um, a, a great movie by Billy Crystal called My Giant, which is one of my favorite ones that is sort of like, you know, and the whole point of like getting the contract. That's the important thing. But um, the, the line of that in Billy Crystal's film is like, don't go to bed angry. And then it kind of resonated with the Dalai Lama's line about um, resentment and anger, and that's a poison that we consume. And
2: that's that right.
0: Forgiveness is the best way of releasing that. Yeah. And um, and acknowledging that on a personal level, uh, because so many people, again, I'm never going to be a minister again. I didn't fit in. Now that in Babbitt's world, you know, oh, you're a divorced minister. You know, forget about it. Um, so that sealed yeah. the deal. Yeah. Cool. You well, know, you're back. I'm, I'm not. And then to realize that no, one simple action or relationship doesn't define who you are for the future.
2: Right. And you had kids with this person. Yes, it did. How
0: many? Uh, just one. But I became a single dad at that point, going from forgiveness in the personal relationship, self-forgiveness in that kind of situation. Where did I contribute? Sure. But how do you then move together, especially in my case, when I had a six-year-old son that I then had primary custody of? Mm. And uh, I I jokingly named my (laughs) son Andrew Taylor, Andy Taylor, after the Andy Griffith show. I mean, it goes deep. I'm sorry. My psychosis of pop culture, but the Andy Griffith show. And but sweet pop culture. Yeah, the like Andy Griffith yeah. show with Andy and Opie and stuff like yeah, that. Sure. And then for 12, 13 years, we were that relationship of the young boy and the single parent dad. And so the, the, the idea of navigating that process of being able to forgive in the relationship, forgive myself. Uh, I think it was very important in being able to move forward. Because if I had not moved forward, had I been listening to what other voices had said, sure, I sure wouldn't be here talking to you. Yeah. You know. So you
2: found the light in the darkness. Yes. And are, how's your relationship today with the, with the mom? Fantastic. Okay. So you co-parent yes, and you're co-parent. able to move there. My through. son,
0: it was a tremendous blessing a year ago he got married and we were there celebrating him and his union our family continues to grow and and one of the most beautiful things i can say about my current wife and her heart and her wonderful nature of humanity is there was this awkward moment when we realized that at the end of the service and i was doing the service and so i can't really just jump you know out of the robes and start escorting people but there was the moment at the end of the service where both she and uh, my former spouse were waiting for someone to escort them out. And they both looked at each other, joined arms and walked down the aisle together. And that was such uh, <laughs> beautiful, you know, it's yeah. 20 something years ago, that would have been unbelievable. But um, the believing is seeing how we continue to grow as we go.
2: Grow as we go, that's a yeah. Ben Platt song. Speaking of uh, Jeremy Hansen. Um, I'm crying because a year ago on Thanksgiving, I hosted a Thanksgiving meal and my father and my stepmom and my mom sat at the same table. Mm. And it was the first time that we had ever celebrated a holiday together since they got married 20 years. Um, And a few weeks ago, I flew to Kentucky to speak there. On Shabbat, my mother hosted my dad and my stepmom. And they came to her and my stepmom recently, like the other day, she goes, I just love your mom so much. Mm -hmm. I really value my relationship with her. And it was just like, my heart could not be more full. Like we've been through so much as a family, but to see them actually have a real relationship, like they would walk down the aisle (laughs) and they really love each other. And they really value what they've learned from my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think my son said something like, it's like Rachel and Leah, you know, for right. Jacob. Right. Um, I do appreciate that. So it's it's just very interesting. We're all so connected when we look for it. Mm-hmm. So on that note of Taylor, could you give us one activity, one assignment? You think if everyone did this every day or even once a week, the world would be a better place. What's one piece of a tool that we could use to have more freedom in our life?
0: I think self-acceptance is the, the beginning of, of all things when mm. it comes to this, that, that I, I accept myself for uh, who I'm not, for who uh, I would like to be, uh, of who I am. And, and I think that so many times we get bogged down in the negativity of politics, any kind of religious turmoil of just driving in South Florida, you know, <laughs> yeah. like when's the last time you really hated somebody? Well, this morning in rush hour, you know, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> that, that I, I, I think that self-acceptance is um, the, the, first, the first step. And then if you can continue to, to grow inwardly, then the second prong of that, I'm sorry, it's a two-prong. That's okay. Don't no, be no, sorry. The, this is the, uh, the idea of when you, <laughs> when you know who you are, you don't have to be what others expect for you to be. Mm. Cause you can easily say, and nah, that's not my thing. And, and, um, and I think that being, being thankful for who you are, being thankful that you have this day, uh, and, and then living that day based on your authentic self as opposed to, well, you know, if it's two o'clock, you have to, to do this or you have to do this. And, and again, the societal expectations of what should be. Probably the greatest gift That I had, um, and probably is a weird part of my story, but when I was in Louisville at the Baptist Seminary, uh, the first job, the only job that I had while I was there uh, that really generated any income was, I was a singing telegram deliverer. (laughs) <laughs> I did that too.
2: <laughs> I dressed up like a chicken and yeah, "Happy
0: Yeah, it was a good time. Oh yeah, yeah. so I was like, you know, all like these characters, and I would show up. And so, while my friends were like, you know, Tiny Branch Baptist Church, his pastors and youth ministers. I was Tiny Alley, who, Branch. Or, know, that's a cute name! Um, you know, I'm. Um, you know, I'm Mr. Wonderful, or the gorilla who's coming in to embarrass the person at a bar at 11:30 on a Friday night. You know, to do uh, the song, oh the dance my gosh. And do whatever. Uh, but the, the thing that I realized that, uh, th- there came a point point. I don't know how it was with you, but it came up, there came a point we do a singing telegrams. There was like, I don't care how much they pay me. I yeah. can't put on the green tights to be right. the Frog yeah. that changes into the prints. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing, it. I just can't. Well, that was probably... problem. They
2: only paid me $25 an hour. Yeah. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This it was only what, what, like it would take an hour to drive right. to yeah. wherever. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but but the thing Highway I realized robbery. out of that, and again, I'm in this formative time of uh, you know my my own spiritual development, and and I realized that there was an intense connection um, between how I was changing from the Kermit the Frog costume to the Superman costume, who was the computer date, who was like you know the nerd who turns into Superman, and then I realized, wow, look at the similarities about how I'm dancing to this audience and how what people would expect me to do on a Sunday morning, you know, and let me dress up and put on my tie and, you know, do all this other kind of stuff. And that wasn't who I was. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't the Sunday morning at 11 o'clock minister, but that's what the entire career path was pushing me toward. Well, you want financial security do you want the house? Do you want the total package, you know? And, and I realized that through self-acceptance, I, had, you know, the opportunity to see a window that I didn't have to follow the expectation of the norm, the crowd, the flow that um, I was on my own path that my flow was different and um, I think that self-acceptance and you can be a member of the island of Spit Toys and your people will find you Yeah, and that's the third thing I mean you know again we haven't seen each other in 20 something years uh, the idea is that there's a recognition when you see someone and you know someone and you know that you share something. Aww. And, um, and so uh, I'm very grateful that that you reached out, but Aww. those connection points, we have yeah. the opportunity to continue with, you know, every day, every, every day. hour. Yeah. To to make something different.
2: Beautiful. Okay. And before we go, is there a song you'd like to share? Cause you're such a great singer. Do you, Is there anything? Oh, wow. What's like your favorite song that gets you just feeling so connected?
0: Um, I was just playing on the piano a little while ago, and I was thinking that if you wouldn't have graciously said I could do five minutes in a song, what was I going to do? To, no to, to way. Fill in? Yeah. That's and, and 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 the two songs that I, again, juxtaposed in my head uh, in looking at this time of year, but also in the Christian uh, mm-hmm. calendar, Advent this past uh, Sunday was the season of hope. And the songs, two songs came into my, my mind. Okay. Um, Light One Candle, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Mm. You know, Don't Let the Light Go Out.
2: Don't let the light go out. Sing it with me. It's last
0: it for so many years.
2: It's so haunting and minor key. It's
0: so yeah. Jewish. Don't let the light go out. Let it shine through our lungs and our tears. Yeah. I watched Elvis not too long ago. Mm, and then the we, new one. Yeah. Uh-huh. A, the, the TV show. And it's okay. like, I need your voice. We need. And he sings this song on the Elvis comeback special. You know, there must be lights burning brighter somewhere. It must be birds flying higher in the sky, more blue. If I can dream of a better land with all my brothers and sisters, walk hand in hand. Tell me why Mm. that won't come true. And and then, um, you know, the juxtaposition of like we're caught in a cloud with too much rain. We're caught in a world of sorrow, with pain. But only if we have the strength to dream, we can redeem our souls and fly. And that image of, again, um, there's a light in the darkness. Somewhere there's a beckoning candle, and that could be the shamash of the menorah. Whoa, look oh. at this shamish, He knows yeah. the words. And then, and then uh, Or it could be the hope candle of the advent. But, you know, there's a light burning bright somewhere. Beautiful. Yeah, if I can dream, please make it true. Yeah. And, and that's where faith comes in.
2: Yeah. I really feel like our dreams are God talking to us. Mm-hmm. And... Prayer is us asking about it and meditation is listening. Listening in. Do you, one thing that I've always loved about you is that you are so not judgmental. Like you're not, I don't believe you're sitting here going, oh, she would just take Jesus into her. Like you really see the value. Maybe that's your Jesuit training, but you really see the value of the multiple paths to get to God Mm -hmm. and people who are like, I'm not sure if it even exists, like do you have any advice for the world that we could be more like you, Rev Taylor, in that way? Thank
0: you. Um, I, I would say uh, it
2: really is miraculous considering you came from a Baptist background where people were like beaten that Bible, like you you um, give it to people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can I can you know use the Bible as a whip. I think uh, which okay. people have done. And again, so my apology. Uh, sorry if when that happened to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be too, you know, uh, within that, I, I think one of, the, one of the most interesting experiences that I've had, uh, recently, um, and in, in it's, uh, in a similar vein, uh, uh, through a series of connections, I would say that the ultimate advice would be intentionally and purpose, purposely, purposefully yeah. move out of your, your, uh, your zone, move out of your comfort, move out of your audience. Uh, probably one of the best experiences I've had recently, until this one, because I'm excited to see where this is going to take me (laughs) on, that um, I was on a a radio show uh, based out of Brooklyn called uh, Equal Footing. And um, this individual, you know, really goes for the Hasidic community. So it's sort of like this AM call-in radio show. And I've been asked to come in, and I'm just kind of like, you know, the voice of Christianity, all of a sudden, and it's sort of like, it's real interesting, because all of a sudden, you know, South and Brooklyn is going to come in, and, and, and I've had so many great experiences, just that as a microcosm, my, my great experiences uh, happen when I kind of put myself out there, and let's see what happens, yeah. as opposed to closing myself into someplace that is safe and secure, sure. when I know that I can't grow. Mm. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, try to keep off balance. Try to continue to move in places that stretch you. Mm. And,
2: um, Have those holy conversations—that's what I call them—where you you feel really different on the outset from this person, and see if you can find a middle place where would we be if everyone took a moment to be like, oh, that person really triggered me. Let me w- walk towards them. Mm-hmm. My sister always would be like, you're so confrontational. You talk to everybody. And I'm like, because I know that we're way more similar than we are different. And I want to know how we can meet. Mm-hmm. I'm like obsessed
0: with that. Jesus was Jewish. He was an observant Jew. Right. And again, and I'll go, oh wait, Jesus was, oh wait, in Hebrew, Yeshua. You know, that there is right. a whole background of the, the expectation. And you can see why... There can be differences of opinion of Messiah not Messiah, but one of the things that in authentically looking at the Tanakh and looking at the Gospels is that you see those areas of uh, connection, that when Jesus is in the temple, um, you know, and, and again, Christians many times don't know this, but it says, you know, the festival of rededication of the temple. And I was like, oh, they'll we use it as like, it's Hanukkah. Right. It's yeah. You know, it's right. like that but to see the similarities, but it takes the courage and, and I'm a little torn because one of the dialogues right now was like, should you confront somebody or offer them a place at the table or to have that kind of dialogue? And right now because of the the current events of the world, it's it's much easier I think to cancel than to engage. And, and
2: and yet it's so not easy. It's it's turning us into mutes yes. because then we can't talk.
0: You can't talk. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I hold to you know one of the things that I'm quite libertarian when it comes to the idea of you know freedom of speech has to be out there.
2: Has to be. It has to
0: be. And, yeah. and again, if you disagree, then let's talk right. and let's let's build consensus and let's right. grow. The branch of Christianity that I came in and through was like, well, if you don't do A, B, C, and D you know, specifically B, because B is really important, then you're going to burn in hell forever. And it's like, wow, that doesn't give me, you know, much motivation. Well, do you want this? Well, no. Yeah. Okay, we'll take door number two. Okay. that okay. it doesn't really give me, if I held to that estochological end of the worldview, right. that's not going to help me today. No. Yeah. You know, I need something for right now. Right. And that's when I yeah. think that if we look at God as love, Beloved, let us love one another because God is love. Yeah. Everyone who knows love is born of God.
2: Yes. And if we look
0: at that rather than the judgment, you know, because. I think if
2: you trace every single war, if you trace every single piece of abuse, you're going to find one commonality. And that is that someone was judged very harshly Mm -hmm. somewhere and, and it triggered them to to perform some sort of act of mm-hmm. violence, whether yes. it was with their words or their, that's, I mean, I've had hundreds of conversations on the street in my documentaries, and then, you mm-hmm. know, on this show, and it's always coming down to that. Mm-hmm. If we could just be more loving like God, and it's out. you know, there is an idea in Judaism where you can be too loving, right? Mm-hmm. Like Lot and his, you know, daughters, and there, there, there's certain times where you 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 could be too kind. It, it, yeah, you know, some separation. Yeah, Yeah, and there needs to be commitments, right? There has to be some sort of laws. Pedophilia is like huge in the news right now. People are finally looking at it, or at least talking about it. People want to make it legal. And I'm like, no, please, we will lose our humanity. We Mm -hmm. we will just, there'll be no more innocence. And we won't understand what our morality is. There's something really scary about that.
0: Out of time right now, when there's the desire to do the whataboutisms to justify our positions, Uh, Uh, what am I... One of my favorite things in those <laughs> yeah. conversations, you know, that I've had with, with my family members, of course, so they're going to have a Southern accent when I portray them. It's sort of like, well, you can't tell me. If someone just begins with, you can't tell me. <laughs> you know, my, take it, take the it. end is probably yeah, going to be exactly. that. Right.
2: Well, me. that's all ego. You yes. can't tell my ego. You can't
0: tell me. And then the, the one that follows was with that. If you do make some kind of statement, it's like, you don't
2: know me. And that. Yeah, you don't know my ego. That's right. all ego. Yeah. But you can say
0: at that moment, no. But let me let me get to know,
2: right? Yeah, or okay,
0: I might not know you, but I know that your soul is always at this spot. So let's backtrack. Yeah. Hmm. Many more opportunities to see the connections, and uh, one quick story uh, in closing. Um, that here in this space, we had uh, a guest uh, that was a Holocaust survivor. Mm. And the Holocaust survivor uh, came in first. We did a, a webinar during mm. COVID, and and uh, we talked about our uh, our Holocaust studies class uh, that we have here. You know, again as a part of an Episcopal school that that shares. You know, we are you know trying to reach out in love and try mm. to learn, and, um, and and so this Holocaust survivor, uh, we did the we did the little video, uh, the simulcast. And then he came in and he, um, he spoke on a mm. Yom Shoah. Wow. And then the thing that he shared the also- The
2: Remembrance Day.
0: Yeah. And, and then within that, the, the thing that happened was he was here and in God's timing, he was being honored in a local um, Shoah Foundation dinner. And someone comes up to him and they hadn't seen each other since the kids. Oh my gosh. And then wow. the documentary filmmakers like, hey, can we come in and-? yeah. You know, that I think that there's all these points of connection that are just floating around and every once in a while. We can catch a glimpse. Yeah. And if we catch a glimpse of the points of connection, it gives us hope that there's going to be more of them as we continue to be our authentic selves. And we can be amazed at how everything does work together. Uh, Prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans for you says the Lord, plans for your prosperity, give you a future and a hope and you'll seek and you'll find me when you look. And if that's... not
2: <laughs> can't with the, you. You know, it's funny. Normally, I only cry when someone's talking about a sad story, but your joy and how you approach scripture, it's so beautiful. It's like crying when you look around at the fireworks at Disney at the end of the night if you want to cry because you feel though you feel that love that palpable hope for humanity that's who you are thank you thank you thank well you, that's then that,
0: i would say within this that's who we are right now
2: yeah but you you really are Thank yeah. you. So, and how do we get in touch with you? How do we read your books? Uh,
0: I haven't written any yet. Yet. Okay. Uh, no, Dave Taylor at st. Andrews.net. Uh, uh, for years you don't ago. mind
2: getting email? From I don't mind. Viewers? Okay.
0: All right. God thank you. you. Thank you. And welcome back to St. Andrews school. Thank we'll you. Thank,
2: thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep glowing as you grow. Oh gosh. There are so many nuggets of wisdom here. I'm going to do my best to make them pithy. What David Taylor says, He believes that his calling is to point people towards something. That something, I believe, is God. He said he had so many bad teachers in the name of religion that he decided he wanted to help other misfits like himself get clearer or pointed towards something bigger than them. He believes his job is to accept and love people where they're at. And instead of investing in one particular place or ideology, He believes to be invested in the concept itself. He says to take your own ego out of whatever it is. When he says don't get bogged down, he's talking about don't get bogged up in your ego. He says when you take your own ego out of the way and just connect with others on a spiritual level, you're just helping someone get home. And if you find any joy in that, then that's what you were meant to be doing in the first place. He repeats the mantra to his high school students that you can fit in Right where you are, you are a gifted and talented child of God. Rev. Taylor says, God is in the dark too. I love that line. It takes a little longer sometimes to find God in the dark, and we get captivated and move through and towards the light every day, but just keep moving. Don't get scared of the dark. Keep looking for that light. The Holy Spirit, the inner light, the higher power is so much grander than anyone who may have hurt you in the church or wherever you may have been praying before now, you're fantastic just the way you are. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to work on yourself. We all do. The work that we have to do here is holy work. We all have to do it. But at your essence, you're fantastic. Rev Taylor alluded to time that he was working in Desmond Tutu's office in Africa, said that it could have been easy for him to just walk away from the situation that he was associated with. Now he didn't do anything wrong at all. However, when he was confronted by one of his former clients who he was doing chaplaincy with some sort of counseling, he realized that he played a part by just mentioning to the person, the supervisor who did all the wrongdoings, uh, where the notes were located. And because he had the humility to go back to the person who who was harmed and say, I'm so sorry that this happened to you and I played a part inadvertently. I just want you to know that I feel terrible that this happened. And I I feel like I played a part. Of course, the woman understood immediately and didn't blame him at all. But because he had the courage to revisit her, they together were able to go back and bring justice to the supervisor who was at fault. Rev. Taylor says, going from self-forgiveness, how did I go wrong in this, helps us all to move forward when we see where we went wrong in any situation that goes poorly. He believes that the one tool the whole world could use is self-acceptance. For all of us to be able to say, I accept myself for who I am, who I'm not, who I would like to be, so that we won't get bogged down in our ego and the negativity and the politics or in the difficulties of any religious turmoil. Self-acceptance is the first step in not hating others. If we can continue to grow inwardly, then the second prong of that is the idea that when you know who you are, you don't have to be what others expect of you. Because you can easily say, no, that's not my thing. And being thankful for who you are, being thankful that you have this day and all the challenges that you have currently, and living that day based on living your authentic versus the societal expectations of self. That's how we get to our truest form of authentic self. Ruth Taylor says, you will find your other misfits and they will find you. You don't have to fit into anyone else's flow. You can find your own flow and you don't have to go searching too far. You can see so many pathways to truth. Intentionally move out of your audience and out of your comfort zone, and spend time with people who believe and think differently. See what that feels like. See if you can learn something from it. If we look at God as love, rather than leading with judgment, we might actually have a chance at helping the whole world to do the same. And finally, I'll end with the beautiful piece of scripture that he quoted towards the end of the interview from Tanakh the Navi or Prophet or Jeremiah in English. Quote, "'I know the plans for you,' says the Lord. "'Plans for prosperity.'" Give you a future and a hope, and you'll seek, and you'll find me when you look. End quote. Thank you for joining us. I'm wishing everyone who's listening to this, and even everyone who's not listening to this, a very happy, joyful, fulfilling, healthy, and very peaceful 2023 and continuously 5783.
1: If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias. Drop us a note or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways always, always.